Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. To be honest with you, I have a little bit of a love-hate relationship with technology. A lot of you know that. Uh, Some of the people who work with me very closely certainly know that best of all. Sometimes technologists are not quite always my friend. But there is one way in which I think that technology has undeniably improved my life. And I think you would probably say the same thing if you really stopped to consider it. For those of us who care about high school football players who were going to become college football players, the recruiting world. If you care about the recruiting world, there is no doubt technology has benefited recruiting almost as much as it's benefited really anything, certainly connected to the media. I mean, think about this. And some of you are old enough to remember back when you'd have to call like, what, like a nine, a one nine hundred number to, to find out who was you know going to go where, or you had some sort of newsletter mailed to your house or you know something along those lines. That's obviously kind of the dark ages compared to what we have now. Not only is there kind of this instantaneous recruiting update when guys are taking visits whatever else we actually have kind of a long history of that and so there's just a a lot of information we have available to us now in terms of what's happening in the world of college football recruiting that generations ago you just would not have been been able to imagine having there at your fingertips and some of this comes by the reporters who work in this industry industry like our own jeff sintel who'll join us a little bit later on and sometimes it kind of comes to us via other means i'm very thankful that recruits themselves are good enough to tweet out or share on instagram aspects of their recruiting process whether it be their thoughts from time to time sometimes they'll give us behind the scenes photos i remember some of the first recruits a couple of weeks ago to kind of come through the Georgia brand new football facility that opened up they shared some video with us of that and it was really kind of a really cool behind the scenes look at what they were seeing because for a lot of us even though we have all of this information at our fingertips now there is still an insatiable appetite to know more about what's going on hey these recruiting visits that have been overtaking the Georgia campus over the course of the month of June what really happens when those guys are on campus there and technology gives us a way of knowing more about that now than we would have ever known before let me give you another example of this here recently and if you're a Georgia fan I believe you're going to really really like this one of the great players to come through the Georgia program in recent years is the former linebacker Rennie Curran. Rennie's been a many-time guest of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. Just a really sharp guy, very good player. In fact, he, I think now, mostly for a career and a job, kind of spends his time traveling around and speaking to businesses or other people. He's kind of a motivational speaker, kind of a sharp business-minded guy. He's really good at that kind of thing. And apparently, Georgia brought Curran in to speak to some recent recruits, both in terms of, hey, I played at Georgia, here's the feeling about being here, but also as kind of a way of making it a value add for the recruits themselves of, hey, making sure you have the best thought process mindset as you approach this chapter of your life. So it's more than just a pitch for Georgia. It's also a message to the recruits about being the absolute best you can be. I think it's kind of a cool thing. And so for those of us who've been kind of left to wonder, well, what really happens when these recruits are on campus? Rennie Curran shared this video on YouTube of him speaking to the recruits, and it gives you kind of a pretty good idea of a little bit of what these guys go through. So that's kind of a cool part of this. But then there's also this. And this is where, you know, I've told you before. This kind of stuff really works on me. Obviously, I love the idea of guys who played at Georgia being happy about their experience and using that time on that podium, that microphone, almost be a little bit of an evangelist for the Georgia program to say, if you follow in my footsteps, you will have, I predict, a similar experience to what I had. The happiness that I have about having played at Georgia, my guess is if you do the same thing, you'll feel the same way. So it's a Friday. We're all in kind of a good mood. At least I hope you're in a good mood as you get ready to go into the start of a weekend. And there's nothing that I would think that would put Georgia fans in a better mood than to hear a great former player like Rennie Curran speaking to a potential next generation of great players at Georgia. Rennie shared this on YouTube. Here is him speaking to recruits about what they ought to know about what will happen if they come to the University of Georgia. This is very strong stuff from Rennie. Take a listen to this. It was so much work, so much sacrifice, but it was worth it. It's been said so many times, but this is family. This is family. And when you put that jersey on, man, it's like you don't realize how many guys have come before you. But it's, it's special. How many guys have sacrificed? How many guys have bled, have sweat, have put in time, effort? How many people have donated? People who care so much about this. 
other young kids who watch you and, and then years later, they're like, man, I remember. I remember. I mean, I meet fans, guys. To this day, I ain't played at UJ since 2009. And I got to give a shout out to Coach Coach Harley, Coach Jancy, my two coaches who were here when I was here. But I haven't played here since 2009. And I still get people coming up to me, whether it's on a plane, whether it's at a speaking engagement, whether it's at a school, no matter where I'm at, they're like, man, thank you for what you did. I can't imagine another place where it would be like that. Like, this is not just football, guys. Like, this is low-key a religion. <laughs> like, it's that deep. I don't know if you can tell, but there's like this, like, underneath Rennie speaking, there's like this uh, motivational-type music. It almost sounds like something from, like, Friday Night Lights or something like that, which I think is a really nice touch. And, and I love what Curran says there. He talks about when you put that Georgia uniform on, not only do you feel like you're a part of a family, and I'm glad to know that he feels that way, but you also feel a part of something, what was it he said, something to the effect of all the guys who've come before you that have put that uniform on. And that's always, to me um, – kind of an awesome thing to consider. I have a lot of friends who are high school coaches and you know I've been in locker rooms with some of them when they've spoken to their players and one coach in particular that I know, one of the things he would say from time to time is when it comes to the program that you're playing for, this program existed before any of us got here, in many cases before any of us were born. And it will exist a long time after all of us are gone there as well. There is something about the team that you play for, the program that you're part of, that predates you and will exist long after all of us have kind of stepped off this mortal coil. That, 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 that's the, the kind of power that comes from being a part of something that truly is bigger than you, Georgia football. I think that uh, Curran describes that incredibly well there. And then he goes into this. And, and there's a phrase that a lot of you are familiar with, the idea of being a, a DGD. We throw that around the show a lot. Georgia fans talk about DGDs a lot. Damn good dog is what it stands for. And I, I love the way that Rennie Curran describes for someone, and listen, no one can deny, especially you know for those of you that can remember Rennie as a player and kind of experienced him a little bit in his post-playing career life, no one can deny that Curran probably embodies DGD status as well as anybody could. And he describes here for a moment what it feels like to kind of live that way and what, from the perspective of someone who's kind of in that category, who's who's in that exclusive club, what it truly feels like to be a DGD. Here's a little bit more from Rennie Curran, Strong Stuff. I was just in Jekyll Island two days ago speaking to superintend superintendent's group. Georgia Bulldog fans. I'm going to Dallas on Monday to speak to a medical company. CEO is a Georgia Bulldog owner. Alumni, that's how special it is. So it's not just, you're not just making a commitment for now. This is a lifetime commitment. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on. And I will tell you guys, for those of you all who are committed and those who are thinking about committing, if you come here and you work hard and you get labeled as what they call a DGD, which is a damn good dog, you are good. You are good for life. It don't matter where you go, anywhere, not just in this state, Dallas, New York, California, wherever you go, you will be respected. And most of all, you will have the opportunity to make an impact. So I'm telling you right now, Rennie Kern could give the altar call right there. <laughs> he just have all kinds of guys. Just, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to commit right there on the spot, and I hope that it had the same impact on some of those Georgia recruits there as well. Just kind of a cool thing to hear, kind of a cool thing to share. And let me also just say this really quick as a quick aside. You know, one of the things that comes up in our shows like this, this in this kind of age in which we live, or discussions about name image likeness and potentially one day maybe a full-on pay for play and I, I totally respect that there are different people that feel different ways about that kind of stuff there are some people including players themselves who you know heartily embrace the emergence of the name image likeness era or maybe even one day more of a true full-on pay for play era they think it's time for that to happen they think it's long overdue to happen as you know at least if you listen and watch the show closely that's not necessarily my feeling but i respect those who do feel that way here's the one thing i would ask you to consider though on the base of what rennie curran just said there that even in a world where you have name, image, likeness, revenue going to the hands of the players or something one day even bigger and beyond that, what you're still talking about with all that kind of stuff is a transaction, right? And a transaction is fine, but I would suggest that there is something for the players out there that's actually better than a transaction. 
I would say it's a relationship. I think relationships are better than transactions. And what Curran describes there is a is a true full-on relationship. And if you're a player looking to cash in on your connection to college athletics, the best way to still make money off your experience as a college athlete, especially a college football player, is through the kinds of relationships that Randy Kern's describing there, more so than just a transaction. A transaction is kind of a debt paid in full, and once the debt is paid, both parties go their own way, and that's kind of an end of the relationship. But a, a true full-on relationship is the kind of thing that leads to a mutual indebtedness that can last forever. And as Randy Curran says, that he truly believes for him it's going to last forever there as well. So at least consider that, the words of Rennie Curran right there, as you think about the new age that college football is uh, beginning to enter into. But beyond that, take a moment as a Georgia fan to appreciate the fact that a guy that played at Georgia, played at an incredibly high level, has very good feelings about his time at UGA, and now spends some of that time telling recruits just how true he believes that to be. That's a great way to start a Friday. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented today by Kroger, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio. We're going to be back on the radio. I'm really excited about this. We're going to be back on the radio again Monday with our friends on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. So happy to be back in the Classic City again. Looking forward to doing that Monday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Of course, podcast-wise, the Apple Player, the Google Player, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com. A lot of ways for you to catch up with the podcast. We really appreciate you doing that with us all summer long there. Big thanks to our friends at Kroger for making it all possible here today. Kroger always doing great things for the community, including right now, still keeping those COVID vaccines in mind. Many of you need to do that. Well, you can do uh, that uh, right now or at the little pharmacy, uh, the, the little clinic between now and July 10th. You can enter for a chance to win one of five $1 million checks or groceries for a year. How about an incredible giveaway like that? Really cool thing. So you can get your COVID vaccine at the Kroger Pharmacy or the little clinic through July 10th. And as I said before, one of five $1 million checks or a chance to win groceries for a year. Really, really incredible thing there. Check out this website, KrogerGiveaway.com. KrogerGiveaway.com. You can enter for your chance to win. You can see all the official rules. It's KrogerGiveaway.com for a lot more on that. All right, before I do Around the Doghouse and tell you about everything else that's going to be happening on the program here today, let me say this here really quickly. So one of the things I get asked about, probably more than anything else right now, is B.A., is there going to be a Dog Nation invasion this year to Charlotte for the first game against Clemson? And I've kind of had to be somewhat, I guess, vague about this because, look, there's always like chains of command and, you know, things have to be signed off on and I'm always told not to say you know whatever because you know you have to cross eyes or I should say dot eyes cross T's things like that so here's what I can tell you that the answer to the question is obviously leaning in the direction of yes so on Wednesday be with me next week I think the day for this is Wednesday on Wednesday we are going to announce all the details of Dog Nation invasion for Charlotte for the season opening game against Clemson. Now, here's one of the things I'm really excited about. One of the reasons why we haven't been able to say more about this up until now is because the people behind the scenes, and these are some in some cases people you'll never meet or you don't know their names or anything like that, but they have been pushing, working to make it as big as possible. You know, it's one of those things that kind of starts here, you know, kind of somewhat small. But as you start, you know, brainstorming and planning, keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I truly believe on the basis of the conversations I've already been, have a chance to be a part of, that this has a really, really strong chance to be the best dog nation invasion we've ever done. It's going to I think accommodate a lot of different people who have somewhat different needs related to all this for Charlotte for the season opener. And let's face it, it's also the first time in a long time that a lot of us get to get back together for a big, big football game after most folks last year were kind of excluded from that process. So stick with me on Wednesday. I've got more details for you. Dog Nation Invasion, y'all, this is going to be such a good time. I wish I could tell you today, but there's still just a little bit more than has to be done. But on Wednesday, I can give you the full details of all of this. And here's the problem. Even if you make it big, it's still limited space. So part of the reason why I'm giving you a little bit of a warning now about Wednesday is you got to be ready to jump in quick. And this is not like hype, although I am a hype man by, by trade. This is not just hype here. Once we open this thing up, 
you know, it's going to start going. And, and, you know, the world's not infinite, so we, we can only have, you know, a limited number of space available. So stick with me on Wednesday for more on that. This is going to be really fun. Dog Nation Invasion, more details to come next week. Really looking forward to that. All right, we're at Jeff Sintel here in a moment. We'll go on the road. It's just about AAA with him. But before that, though, let's go around the doghouse here for a moment. And one of the things that we're going to speak to uh, Jeff Sintel about in just a moment is an interview that he did this past week on Before the Hedges, presented by Kroger, with four-star wide receiver Kojo Antwi. Antwi's got a decision coming up in July. I think Antwi is one of the more interesting recruits in the 2022 class because there's a lot of competition for his services. Obviously, Georgia you know, looks at wide receiver as a position of need here for the 2022 class. And in some cases, Antwi probably plays his cards a little closer to the vest than some of the other guys who are uncommitted prospects right now. There are a lot of uncommitted guys who are not afraid to profess how much they really like George, and some have even outright called George their leader. Antwi doesn't quite do that. However, when he did meet with Jeff Sintel on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger this past week, he did talk a little bit about what in comparison to all the other schools, and he said something nice about each of them, but I'm only going to play the clip here about Georgia, of kind of what he views as the biggest, I guess, advantage for UGA in his recruitment right now. This is Kojo Antway. Biggest plus for Georgia? Um, home state. Um, I think biggest plus is Coach Hankton and, you know, him being real with me and him being, a, you know, a genuine guy and wanting to develop me into, you know, the best where I can be. So I think that's really good uh, from Kojo Antwi saying some nice things about Cortez Hankton and also th- the entire interview, and it's worth either watching at dognation.com or the Dog Nation YouTube page. The story with Kojo from this past week at dognation.com gives you some good insight there on that too. He shares his thoughts about a number of those schools, but it's nice to hear him shouting out Cortez Hankton and nice to hear him saying what he wants to see more of from his recruitment. I also think this is kind of cool. You know, we like it when recruits recruit other recruits. Georgia's got a few of those in this class. Jalen Walker, we mentioned the other day, who are out there working hard. Another one of those guys who's just burning the candle at both ends on social media all the time is the uh, four-star wide receiver commit to Nylon, Morissette. And Morissette had a funny thing for Antwi on Twitter the other day, sharing a picture of the two of them together. I think we had this that we can show here. Yeah, this is Morissette sharing a picture with Coach Antwi. Uh, it's both of them side-by-side with the very cool back backdrop of Sanford Stadium with the lights off and the red lights glowing. Uh, Morissette tells Antwi, he says, this could be us, both wearing the Georgia uniform, but you're playing, uh, Morissette says there. So uh, really funny stuff. Uh, Kojo Antwi keeping his cards close to the vest, but it's nice to see a guy like Denial and Morissette out there uh, really recruiting hard for Georgia on social media. That's a really fun thing. And that is around the doghouse. Before we get Jeff Sintel, let me also say this. Make sure you check out my friends at the Finish Long Drink as you head towards the weekend. Uh, so many folks have been reaching out to me this spring and summer to say, B.A., you've been telling us about Finish Long Drink, and yeah, you know what? I love the flavor. I love the great taste. I love the strong liquor kick that goes with this, with the kind of the you know the citrus flavors that sometimes go. That, that's really my favorite one, the one that kind of has the grapefruit. It's the one that comes in the blue can that has the grapefruit with the gin kick. It's just a, it's ready to drink right out of the can. There's no mixing. There's no hard work. Just pop the top and enjoy it. Some of you like the cranberry. I know a lot of the uh, students in Athens there at UGA, some of the bars around Athens, they've really enjoyed that. Some of you like the long drink strong, and I understand where that's coming from. That's 8.5% alcohol by volume. There's also long drink zero. This is the kind of thing that's been really, really popular uh, in Finland going back to the 1950s. The summer games were in Helsinki back then, and the drink was kind of created as a way of celebrating that. And then its popularity grew over the decades. Now it's in the United States, and now it's here in the state of Georgia there as well. So whether it's a beverage store or a bar or whatever else, golf clubs in a lot of ways. You know, there are a lot of golf courses around my area uh, that have this there as well. You just want to find out where it is. So if you go to the website, thelongdrink.com, you can find that out for yourself, thelongdrink.com. And you can do what I've been doing this summer, what a lot of the other folks have been doing there as well, which is enjoying yourself some Finnish long drink. All right. Speaking of enjoying yourself, hope you enjoy yourself here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger here today. I know you're going to like what we're going to do next. A lot of recruiting information. Let's get it from our guy, Jeff Sintel, who has been in embedded so deeply with so many recruits over the course of the last uh, few weeks. So good chance to get some insight with him as we go on the road with Jeff Sintel, assisted by AAA. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. On the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel here today. Good to 
uh, have a chance to talk to Jeff Sintel live. I guess the last two times we've spoken to Jeff on this show because of a vacation for him at one point, vacation for me last week, uh, these uh, discussions have been pre-recorded. This, in the moment, reacting to everything that's been going on. And obviously a great chance to be able to do that. Jeff, happy Friday to you. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA, and I hope you're doing well here today. Hey, Brandon. Hey, man. Good morning. I hope everybody's doing well. And, man, I think since we had those those pre-takes, man, uh, I think the soap operas have shifted in a lot of directions for a lot of players, and that's why we got to keep up with this stuff every day. Yeah, there's no question about that. I was talking about Kojo Antwi a little bit before you joined us, and I don't know if you would join me in saying this, but Antwi, I think, is among the more interesting recruits of the class of 2022 because in comparison to a guy like, say, Branson Robinson, we'll get into Robinson before we're done here today, but Robinson, who has openly professed Georgia to be his leader, and I'm not saying that's a done deal or anything like that, but he has not shied away from saying nice things about UGA. There are other recruits who kind of do similar things where they don't seem to be all that interested in playing their cards that close to the vest. Now, sometimes it's kind of a kind of a, a little bit of a, uh, what do you want to call it, like a like like a trick or, or, or kind of, you know, just having some fun. Kamari Wilson maybe an example of that because at different times he seems to show love, you know, for different schools, whatever else. But in the case of Antwi, he doesn't really do, you know, any of that. He just seems to be fairly buttoned up about his process. I thought you did have a good interview with him this week on Before the Hedges presented by Kroger, and obviously a lot of folks also read some of those quotes there at dognation.com. But when you speak one-on-one with Antwi, do you get much in the way of insight about where he might be leaning? Because he certainly does a pretty good job of kind of giving equal weight to all the schools that he's mentioned or asked about. Well, that's a good place to start, Brandon, because I think I think weight is a good way to describe it. Uh, now, like we put this on the Dog Nation forum yesterday, we saw what it certainly looked like to me, Kojo Antwi was at least doing – on his Instagram story, he was at least doing some principal photography for his uh, uh, commitment video. And, and from, from a guy that's had, his, had some experience in those waters, you know, it's really smart with a July 5th announcement to be getting a lot of that, uh, a couple of those shoots, a lot of those things already done and in the can. Um, on our interview, Brandon, it, it, took, it took a lot of experience to sit there and, okay, was Kojo just tired? because he was running at cornerback and he was running at wide receiver all day at Lassiter High School for the Lutzi 43 Foundation uh, event, um, or whether he was just had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And for me, it kind of looked like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. This is going to be a very hard decision. He even told me, Brandon, he's down to two schools out of those four. He's eliminated Alabama. It's just four. And I think the hard part for a lot of our viewership and a lot of our readership was they were trying to figure out, you know, which two of those of those four are they actually. And that's a really tough thing because he said very impactful, very strong statements about both about USC and Ohio State. Uh, I think Georgia is smack dab in the middle of this thing as well. And then there's the family connections with Texas A&M. So that was coming soon, Brandon, July the 5th. And uh, I think it will, it will be- definitely be a waypoint. Uh, kind of like if you look at Georgia recruiting like the Oregon Trail, where you've got to decide if you want to float the river or you want to you want to hire the tour guide. That's sure. definitely going to be a part in the journey where you've got to sit there and go, Georgia's recruiting class will change dramatically based on Kojo Antwi's decision. Well, speaking of the Oregon Trail, I just hope it doesn't leave us dead by dysentery because that was also an <laughs> issue you would occasionally run into with Oregon Trail over the years. So just a real quick follow-up to this because that did jump out to me, the idea that he is kind of of his four thinking about two more so than the rest. And certainly if you're a Georgia fan, you hope Georgia's one of those. At one point in time, we did hear more Ohio State with him, and he said some very nice things about Ohio State, both with Brian Hartline, the uh, coach, and the other players in the room. It's obviously a very deep wide receiver room. He said some nice things about Ohio State in the interview that you did with him. If we assume that Georgia is one of those two, do you think the second of those two is more likely Ohio State or more likely Texas A&M, the school that he has kind of a familiar connection to because one of his, at least one of his siblings lives in the state of Texas? Yeah, I think what happened here is is Ohio State went from maybe three or four to probably two or three. I think that's the safest conclusion I can draw. Where, And it's funny, Brandon, and you want to talk about young men and short attention span theater or whatever, but he mentioned that Ohio State is about to have two guys go in the first round. That would be Garrett Wilson and Alave. 
and then another two guys go in the first round the year after that. You know, Brendan, look how quickly a narrative can change because one of the things that when you really look at Ohio State and its wide receiver recruiting, they haven't had first-round wide receivers, although they have the reputation that they're a pipeline. They've just now been doing mega recruiting over the last three or four cycles and getting a lot of big-time receivers, but everyone thinks that they have Alabama's reputation and pipeline effect at the wide receiver position. It's not happened yet, but there are a lot of these recruits look at Ohio State and see the prolific numbers on offense, the quarterbacks that are in the Heisman conversation, and they think that Ohio State is producing first-round receivers, and that's not happened yet. So the other day on the show, we showed some photographic evidence of five-star Oklahoma wide receiver commit Luther Burden spending some time at Georgia. My understanding is that was a multi-day visit. This is the kind of thing that, you know, I'm not really quite so sure how seriously to take this. I said on the show, it's just kind of nice to see Georgia hosting big-time guys like this because it creates a certain level of energy for the program. I mean, how serious would you take – uh, Georgia right now for a guy like Burden. These are the kinds of receivers that in recent years haven't always given Georgia much of a serious thought. Some of those guys, in fact, are even at Ohio State right now, who you may could say that about. So is this a, is this a tourist uh, visit for, for Burden? Is this a real visit where Georgia has a chance to make an impression? What do you think of a five-star Oklahoma commit being at Georgia the last couple of, or, or, or at least a couple of days this week? Yeah, so – you know, Brandon, I, I can hear a producer in my ear screaming that you should speak Luther Burden into existence. And, I like it. And drop that, drop that Harry Potter magic wand action on uh, another, you know, very, very catalyst recruit potentially for Georgia. Brandon, I'll be honest. I, I think this is a point now where it would be news if a five-star didn't visit Georgia this month, especially at a position of dire need. Uh, Luther Burden, you know, he's out of, he's out of St. Louis. And you hear a lot of rumblings that he's flippable or he's looking with wayward eyes away from Oklahoma. And a lot of, you know, you hear Missouri, home state Missouri, nearby Missouri might be one of the schools in the mix. And I think Georgia's case, Georgia got a pretty solid, strong first date with Luther Burden. And I think now the burden on Georgia, so to speak, is to put up prolific passing numbers, wide open offense in the fall. When that happens, you know, the ingredients for getting Luther Burden on campus again is looking very good against Clemson, putting up big passing displays during September, and then you can draw him in for an October official visit. And then that, I think, is when I would say Georgia's really in the thick of that thing then for Luther Burden. It's on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff Sintel. By the way, speaking of AAA, I'm actually going to be on the road a little bit this weekend, traveling a little bit. When I do, I'm always thankful for that roadside assistance the AAA is so famous for. But my encouragement to you during a segment like this is to think about AAA for more than just roadside assistance. Did you know that when you switch and save to AAA for your auto insurance, you can save on average $529? That's a really cool thing. And the kind of thing I want to make sure you know about the AAA, not just the name to know for roadside assistance, but for auto insurance as well. For those that switch and save, boy, you're hearing a lot of good things about it. So it's aaa.com slash auto insurance. That's the website, aaa.com slash auto insurance for more on that. All right, Jeff uh, Arch Manning, you wrote about this at dognation.com, the 2023 quarterback. And here's the one thing I feel like I've been around the block enough to know that when once the 2023 recruiting class is the class, like once we're in that cycle, I think the Arch Manning recruitment is going to be as big a story as we've had in recruiting in a number of years because of the fact that Manning is such a famous name. He's the son of Cooper Manning. It makes him the nephew of Peyton and Eli, the grandson of Archie Manning. And there's just a lot of media awareness about the Manning family. Therefore, the Arch Manning recruitment will get tons of mainstream coverage in 2023 in a way that a typical five-star quarterback just can't get. So therefore, we know that the industry is going to be motivated to keep Manning's name near the top of the list. They have good reason to do that. He's also a good player. But I guess what I'm trying to ask you about, though, with him on campus here this week, how good is Arch Manning as a player? Is this one of those things that it's interesting because of what his last name is? Or is this a thing that's interesting because he truly is a unique prospect that's going to be worthy of all the attention he's kind of already starting to get, but the mountain of attention that he's about to get? Yeah, I think, Brandon, uh, let, me, let me look at two, I guess, two like waypoints here to discuss Arch Manning. Uh, first of all, I think it was maybe a month ago when 
a self-appointed worldwide leader in broadcasting, there was this talking head segment where they actually asked the question, is Arch Manning going to be better than Peyton Manning and Eli Manning? <laughs> and that was a huge, like, I mean, hold on. I'm, I'm a recruiting guy, man, and I'm like, hold on, we got to pump the brakes on that. If I had a, if I had a slipper or something or, uh, you know, something to throw at the TV, I might have thrown it at the TV just then, man, because that's a little too extreme. On the other hand, he's as good enough, Brandon, to be a top, you know, 25, top 30 overall prospect. My personal feeling is they're not going to move him anywhere out of five-star status since it's such a name. It's a, it's a click generator. It's a magnet for attention. Um, you know, currently there's zero crystal balls predicted for Arch Manning. He's been to Clemson. He's going to Georgia. You know, Georgia's got, you know, Georgia's actually got a better shot, uh, in terms of interest for Arch Manning than most might think. I think it will involve on throwing the ball around, but you know, Arch Manning is more of a charismatic daredevil runner like his grandfather Archie than either of his uncles. Um, he's a guy that, you know, there's a lot more connections to, to Georgia than most might think. There's the Kirby Smart and Peyton Manning. Those guys do friendly jabs at each other all the time. Going back to their playing days, everybody remembers uh, Peyton Manning giving Kirby a shout-out during the, the match play broadcast with Phil and Tiger because he couldn't wear red. Otherwise, Kirby Smart would turn it into, an, into a video ad for Georgia football on right. social media. But then there's Matt Luke. And you think of Matt Luke, you think of all that time at Ole Miss around Arch around Archie, around Cooper, around Eli, you know, Matt Luke was a, an assistant coach, a head coach, and he actually was a player at Ole Miss as well. So yeah, that's a guy right there that has a little bit more street cred than most uh, when it comes to that. You know, I, I, I said this in the forum, Brandon, that it, before the, the turn of events in South Carolina and Gunnar Stockton flip, flipping to Georgia, I thought Georgia had a very good shot at Arch Manning because they had ideal separation for, potentially between Brock and then Arch Manning. And now, you know, for Georgia to get in that race, you know, there's LSU in there. They should be in there. He's out of Louisiana. Alabama's in there. Clemson's in there. Georgia's in there. Duke, Ole Miss, those schools. And and really, except for, like, Duke and Ole Miss, all those schools are going to have the same situation where Arch Manning's going to go, okay, there's a veteran five-star there. There's a previous guy five-star there. And he's just going to come up, come over there and work his way up the depth chart. I do have one prediction. I think fans will go crazy uh, at any university should Arch Manning choose with any of those schools. And then you remember, you remember the the the, the gifts, the gifts that was be like the gift that had the had the guy and his girlfriend walking down the street, and then you look back and he looked at the girl walking beside him, and we also saw those for all incarnations of Georgia football. Well, there need to be a new one because there would be Georgia fans and two quarterbacks by their side with Arch Manning walking by, and not just one. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, Jeff, where, first of all, I'm not a scout, so I'm not going to pretend to be one, but on the basis of what I think I know about quarterbacks, I have no reason to believe right now that Manning is necessarily better than Brock Vandegrift or Gunnar Stockton, but as a Georgia fan, you sort of still want your team to be involved in an Arch Manning recruitment for the reasons that I pointed it to before. You know, if his decision leads Sports Center then obviously you want your program mentioned in that discussion. Whether Arch Manning ends up being good after that or not, you know, at least as good as, as the accolades would suggest, it's kind of a different thing. But when you have this like gigantic mainstream recruitment, the kind of thing that the New York Times may very well write about, then obviously you want your school to be mentioned in those circles. And it's not that that I believe that Manning you know, would be better than Vandegrift or would be better than Stockton or would be better than anybody else. I mean, all of this is a little bit of a crapshoot, but clearly you just want that kind of, as they say in politics, earned media. You just want a little free media through all of this, and that's what being connected to the Manning family would probably get you. Yeah, yeah, and you you, you, you got it right. They're all the newsmakers attached to this, but, you know, Brandon, the other thing that makes this difference in, you know, parallels to other Georgia nervous quarterback recruiting room situation pressure cookers is is basically Brock Vandegrift, Arch Manning, and Gunnar Stockton. They all have the same game. I think I think Arch is about six four. That's probably a little bit taller than even Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton. Uh, a couple of inches maybe taller than Gunnar Stockton. And then you worry about you wonder about okay who's played against the best competition, uh, who's had the most experience. I think Arch Manning's teams are 18-3 and three in two seasons. 
he's thrown some interceptions. I mean, it's not like he's thrown, you know, from a scouting perspective, he's completing 65% of his balls. I think he's, I think he's throwing about 35 touchdowns against uh, 15 interceptions in two seasons. He's got a four-star receiver on his way to LSU and A.J. Johnson as his go-to man and Isidore Newman. And Newman is actually where both of his uncles went and played in New Orleans as well. And everybody knows you know, that's where Arch, Arch Manning settled as an NFL quarterback in New Orleans. So that's where the Mannings have always co- called home, at least where Archie and Olivia raised their boys. So, you know, I think that's one of those things where, gosh, everybody's going to talk about it and everybody's going to think about it. I just don't know what Georgia fans would do if Georgia if Georgia wound up uh, signing Arch Manning in the class of 2023. I wonder if they'd be more nervous than excited about the the recruiting machine for Georgia's continuing to pay dividends and you know spit out another incredible signing. So let me do this. I want to shift gears and I want to finish by talking defensive line for a moment. I. I want you to go in depth on that. So, if you want to, you can be pretty quick on this. We haven't spoken about Branson Robinson since he let it be known that he is going to make his commitment announcement in late July. This is obviously a big one. I've said on the show, Jeff, that Robinson for me, I'll put him in a category with Malachi Starks and Jalen Walker, and those are two Georgia commits. Robinson, as of yet, is not. But I like these recruits as much as I've liked anybody in, in terms of the way they carry themselves as players on and off the field. Like Robinson just comes across as like the salt of the earth type guy here. And obviously it's easy for Georgia fans to like him because he's been compared to Nick Chubb. He doesn't shy away from those comparisons. He's been very open about calling Georgia his, his leader. I mean, I don't see much reason right now to be anything other than like really excited for a Robinson announcement come late July. So just give me kind of the quick thumbnail on where you think things stand there now that we actually have a date on the board for when Robinson's going to make his pledge. Yeah, so this is what we know about Robinson. Georgia's been the leader for quite some time. The schools that were kind of right there on the periphery were were Alabama Alabama and Clemson. He never visited Clemson for their elite retreat on an unofficial visit. He did check out Alabama last week. Alabama was everything as expected. You know, a lot of, there's a the narrative there that I'm sure Alabama will find some cosmetic tailoring to the obvious, but there's a narrative there that they have two running backs already committed and two pretty stinking good ones committed as well. And then where does that leave Ransom Robinson? Well, you know, there's the thing, Emmanuel Henderson, everybody remembers him. Emmanuel might even be a multi-positional type guy, might be a, actually a receiver, might be a defensive back, might be just spread out all over the formation. So Alabama's not classifying him per se as a running back on the board for the class, and that would seemingly enhance their chances with Robinson. I think the timing here really matters where he, he takes the official visit to Alabama and then day, I think it was a day afterward, he decided to make his decision date on July 22nd uh, to honor his late uncle on his birthday. It was kind of always those three schools, LSU and Tennessee. He's at Tennessee this weekend. Um, those were the schools that were kind of on the periphery recruiting him. I don't know if he'll actually have time to visit LSU this month now. He was trying to get that official visit scheduled. But for, but for Robinson, here's the evolution is, he, he felt, he, he went from, hey, if I feel it, I'm not going to waste anyone's time, to his father and, and Robinson, their family sat down and they were like, now listen, we're going to take these visits. Due diligence will happen. We will see all these schools. And even though he told me on that Georgia visit that he was, he was checking up with his dad and they were having the conferences at the end of the night going, all right, Dad, are we sure about this? Are we sure we're going to wait, right? We're going to wait, right? And the plan has still been implemented and the plan is still being executed to wait. So that's what's going to happen. But then they also mentioned they wanted to come back for um, unofficial visits or game day visits. And now that is what has evolved, where that decision comes in late July. I think Georgia and a lot of schools are going to have elite events. Oscar Dell told us that he was planning to attend an elite event at Clemson in July. Uh, he told us that this week for next month, when there's a, a sliver of an open period for a quiet period for recruits and, uh, and, and schools to meet up again. So I think it's interesting what's happened after the Alabama visit. If someone wanted to interpret and they wanted to go, well, you saw what he wanted to see at Alabama, now he sets his decision. I think those things are moving in the order that they should. That's very, very interesting. I look forward to reading a lot more from you on that in the days to come. Let me finish with this, though. 
you know, we're kind of in a post-Bear Alexander world when it comes to Georgia and this defensive line recruitment, but things have been very busy. I mean, there's a very easy scenario that could inf- could unfold that would make Georgia fans, and I hate to say it this way, but it's just true, forget about Bear Alexander actually pretty quick. You know, your quote the other day from Jalen Walker talking about how hard he was pitching Travis Shaw when they were both at Georgia together. There's all kinds of online chatter out there about Walter Nolan right now. Uh, Kristen Miller uh, was seen at Georgia over the course of the last few days. He shared some photographic evidence of that. I guess, Jeff, what I want to know from you is whether it be Shaw or Nolan, you know, you want to mention Miller and all this too, or really whoever else, like what's real, what's not, what really truly matters when it comes to Georgia and a bunch of big name defensive linemen who have been coming through this campus the last few weeks. Yeah, so, you know, Walter Nolan is on campus today. Mm. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of like I'm, – trepidation is the word that I would use. I know everybody's really quick to put stories up and get clicks and everything else like that. And I guess I just try to be measured with Walter Nolan's um, visit because, you know, you know, candidly for the longest time, I've always thought Georgia was in the mix but not right in the middle of the Walter Nolan decision. Um, you've heard a lot of things now about – uh, he's visited a lot of schools this week. I think he's visited Alabama, Tennessee, and now Georgia this week. This potentially might be the last visit that Walter Nolan takes uh, until the next visit that Walter Nolan takes and schedules on the fly. Uh, Florida seemingly had a really good shot. I've always thought, Brandon, that Georgia was going to wind up two or three with Walter Nolan. That was when Big Bear Alexander was at the center of Georgia's defensive line plans. Now it's definitely Travis Shaw. I think Shaw – is basically going to have to really see a whole lot that he likes from North Carolina this weekend, another official visit there. I think Georgia is right there with North Carolina for, for Travis Shaw. That's the guy that seemingly has all the Kings horses and all the Kings men around him. Georgia put its best foot forward last weekend on the official visit. Um, there's Aaron Bryant, the guy out in Mississippi, who's told me he, – he's told me ways that he couldn't go to Georgia – because maybe he's not an ideal, you know, four-man front fit. He's more of an odd fit. I mean, he's not an ideal odd front fit with a three-man front. He's more a more of a of a four-man front. He's not not that type of gap shooter that maybe fits Georgia's base defense a lot better. But there's still a whole lot he likes about Georgia. He's seen Alabama, Texas, and Texas A&M. He's going to make a decision, I think, sometime in August. Uh, you 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 hear things. You wonder about Tyree West, Brandon. That's a guy that's currently. Yeah the defensive tackle committed in the class. And, you know, there are things out there. You know, Tyree West keeps visiting other schools. If he, you know, he's not the ideal prototype size for Georgia for what they're looking for, especially what they're looking to replace off the roster with the 2022 recruiting class. Uh, So you got to wonder, you know, where's Georgia defensive line recruiting? Is it Bryant? Is it, I don't think they're ever going to get back in the race with Big Bear Alexander now for obvious reasons. But uh, you got to wonder, you know, that once rosy, beautiful, crystalline, picturesque postcard defensive line recruiting class has evolved quite considerably. You know, Mikel Williams, you've seen some of the camp footage come out of out from Mikel Williams about how he's looked. He seems very committed to USC. For the longest time, Brandon, I've always thought that Michael Williams and Christian Miller want to play together. There's not just USC in the way with Georgia, with, with Christian Miller. There's also Ohio State there. I think Georgia's still running about you know third there for, for Christian Miller, even though he took another visit. Um, he took another visit to Georgia this week, and for me it kind of felt like that scene from uh, Godfather 3 where Michael Corleone is like, just when I think I'm out, they pull me back in. That's kind of what this tug of war has been like with Christian Miller. It's like, you love me now, you don't love me now, now you love me again, what am I going to do? You know, it's one of those things where I think, you know, Brandon, you know, Quayshon Sapp, Tyree West, Michael Williams, and Christian Miller, these are all great top 150-level prospects in the state of Georgia. They're all very connected. They all know each other for the longest time. And they hear things, man. They talk. They know, like, okay, Georgia's feeling you this way. Oh, no, Georgia's not lighting me up like that. And I think they begin to notice collectively, you know, well, there's not a chance for all three of us to play together, and maybe everybody's going to have to find their own fit, which is what college football always does to these package deals every cycle that 
it certainly sounds like great headlines. It certainly sounds like I think I think we probably reached the point, even with you know mainstream coverage of recruiting, where when a package deal actually happens, that's when it will be news, not that the package deal is under consideration, because everybody's just trying to be buddy buddy right now. No, I think that's exactly right, Jeff. Great stuff. Thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. Appreciate your time. Look forward to speaking to you again soon. Of course, in between now and then, you'll have a whole lot more coming on the pages of DogNation.com. So thanks for being here on the road, assisted by AAA, and hope you have a great weekend. Hey, man. Brandon, good weekend. Everybody out there, safe travels. And everybody remember AAA on your travels as well. Sounds good. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so a lot of ground there with Jeff. I'm glad we got a chance to cover. And I will tell you this. You know, Jeff has spoken to Jalen Walker about Travis Shaw as of late. You know, he spoke to... Coach Rand Tweed directly. We talked about that there before. It, it's really been, and I know most of you are reading on this as it is anyway, but go back and check you know his archive there at dognation.com. There's a bunch of big-time interviews that have popped up with him as of late. You can actually watch a lot of these on his show from Wednesday before the head just presented by Kroger. And I'm not just kind of doing the job that someone like me is supposed to do, which is pointing to other content. I, I do truly mean this. I think that you'll get a better insight of what's going on with UGA recruiting right now if you check some of the stuff that Jeff Sintel has done as of late at dognation.com. I've got a very busy SEC through. We're going to do that here in a moment. Let me very quickly, though, remind you, my friends at uh, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, talk about getting on the road here this weekend. Really, it's an easy drive to Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, just a two-hour drive from Atlanta, whether it's the original Harris Cher- Cherokee Casino Resort property or Harris Cherokee Valley River. You get the great casino gaming. You get the restaurants. You get the shopping. You get the entertainment options. Sports gaming is available. we got NBA playoffs going on. we got NHL playoffs going on. we got Major League Baseball. All of this is a precursor to the football season that's coming up, and you can get your action down on all of these games at the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. So check out either of the two properties. Website to go to Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris-Cherokee. That'll get you in touch with Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. So every now and then I get to be a newsman. You know, I always think that like, well, I grew up on TV. It always seemed like the, the anchors were like popping the papers on the desk. So I'll be a newsman here and say an update on a story we covered for you yesterday. So we've been talking a little bit about uh, Keaton Salter. Keaton Salter, the Tennessee quarterback signee who's kind of run afoul of the law now a couple of times. We said yesterday that the Vols have like 100 quarterbacks in the roster. This is not really a good time to continue to get in trouble given the fact they just have so many quarterbacks. Well, that prophecy has now come true. Caden uh, Salter has been dismissed from the Tennessee roster. So we did talk yesterday about him getting arrested on a drug possession charge after he'd only been, within the last couple of weeks, reinstated on the active Tennessee roster after being suspended for an alleged altercation on campus a few months before that. So Salter is now gone from Knoxville. Speaking of Tennessee, yesterday Phil Steele, the college ball analyst who does the Field Steel magazine, the preview magazine, was on the Paul Feinbaum show. And he said something about Tennessee that I thought was really interesting. I'm going to read this to you. I'm reading this from Saturday Night South, who got this from 24-7 Sports, from the Paul Feinbaum show. It's a little bit of a, uh, of a blockchain here of, of how this quote gets in front of my eyes. But this is what Phil Steele says yesterday about, uh, about Tennessee, which I think is interesting. He says, probably the team I'd be the most concerned about in the SEC would be Tennessee going through the coaching change. They lead the nation in one category, and that's players that have hit the portal. 25 have hit the portal this year. You've got new schemes on offense and defense and a new head coach. I think it's going to be tough for Tennessee to stay near the top, the middle of the pack, or the upper half. That's a very kind way of saying that Phil Steele, I believe, thinks the Vols may be awful. I think he may be right. And I just think the basement can't be low enough for this team right now that for all the embarrassment of having to move on from Jeremy Pruitt after the embarrassment of having to move on from Butch Jones after the embarrassment of having to move on from Derek Dooley. The Tennessee as a program may not have hit rock bottom yet, that this team this year, for all the reasons that Phil Steele just mentioned and others, they may be truly terrible. And when you think about a Kentucky team that's not that bad this year, when you think about a Missouri team that's not that bad this year, when you think about you know Georgia and Florida still being you know where they are, certainly ahead of Tennessee in the packing order, you know, they better hope they beat Vanderbilt because otherwise they're just not going to be a whole lot of wins to come for the Vols this year. And, you know, for a guy like uh, Josh Heupel, he just may find himself in a tough situation of even trying to establish a program. Sometimes the smart people in college football call that first year instead of a year one, they call it a year zero because you're essentially at ground zero. 
but I don't know that that Josh Heupel is even at that. I mean, I think that he's in a real mess there in Knoxville, and it was interesting to hear Phil Steele say that yesterday on the uh, Paul Feinbaum show. A couple of stories here involving the Florida Gators. First, Jamarian Burt, who you may remember was kind of on Georgia's radar for a moment, earned an offer from Georgia, took a visit to UGA. There had been a little bit of scuttlebutt and chatter related to him, and now Jamarian Burt has actually moved on to the Florida Gators. He's committed to Florida. You know, I think there was some, I guess, debate and discussion about how committable the offer that he had was to UGA, just to be frank and honest here for a moment. But he has committed to Florida. There's been a little bit of criticism from Florida fans about this, but uh, Burt, a name that at one point in time was on Georgia's radar, now a commitment to Florida, Florida leaping in to take that commitment pretty quickly. And then there's this on the Florida front. And so there was kind of this, this weird thing that happened on social media yesterday where Brenton Cox put this tweet up. And let me show this to you on the screen here for a moment. So here's the tweet from Cox that says, the best pass rusher in college football 2022, and it's got a picture of obviously uh, Brenton Cox there. And there are like two different life cycles of this tweet. On the one hand, and some folks shared this with me, it's like, who does Brenton Cox think he is calling himself the best pass rusher in college football? But then there's this other thing that started emerging of, wait a second, what's he talking about for 2022? So it went from some Georgia fans thinking that Brenton Cox was exaggerating his skills as a pass rusher to other people saying, if he's saying he's going to be the best pass rusher in 2022, does that mean that he's injured? And then I guess the latest development in all of this is, because otherwise, you know, why wouldn't he just say 2021? If he's saying 2022, does that mean he's on the shelf for this upcoming season? And I guess the latest life cycle of all of this is, I believe that Brenton Cox has now deleted that tweet. So who knows where any of this stands. It was a little bit of an odd social media message. It kind of generated reactions on a number of fronts about what Brenton Cox meant. Maybe it was just kind of a typo because uh, at least when I checked his timeline this morning, I did not see that tweet anymore. So kind of an odd thing there, but it had folks talking around the SEC a uh, bit yesterday, and we will make that your SEC through. Speaking of social media stuff that gets folks talking, you know, we do our Gator Hater Roll Call at the end of the show. We also like to give out a Golden Shoe Award. Now, sometimes the Golden Shoe is for folks who are showing some good Gator Hating credentials, and sometimes it's just for for whatever, including occasionally that UGA fan who's just really good at sifting through social media and spotting cool things we might want to see. An example of that today, let me show you this tweet on the screen. This comes from Ollie. He's at RovUllie on Twitter. He says, at Dog Nation Daily. Hey, B.A., is that who I think this is in the background? It's a picture of Kirby Smart with a recruit. There is a player running there in the background, football tucked underneath uh, his shoulder. And when you zoom in on that closely, yes, that does appear to be, at least the best of my knowledge, the first sighting of Eric Gilbert, recent Georgia transfer, wearing the uh, Georgia red and black there, looking very good in that Georgia colors. Good job by Ali spotting that. will make you the golden shoe winner for today. And Gator Hater Countdown, 127 days from right now, Georgia. Get some revenge against Florida. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cool Down. We'll take some of your comments that have come in for me on both Twitter and at the pages of dognation.com. I love this time to interact with all of you, and I appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts with uh, me. That's always a fun thing to be able to do. Um, so, so really good stuff here. Be somewhat brief today because we do have a lot we have to do around the old studio today. So let me read a comment here from dognation.com and then we'll let all of you get on with your weekend. So Duke Duke checks in and I appreciate uh, his words here to say that my wife and I moved a couple of weeks ago and the Dog Nation podcast have been in the earbuds to get me through all the long hours of the moving process. Thank you for that. I'll just say this really quickly is that that was always my vision when we started this podcast and when we started Dog Nation Daily, there really wasn't much streaming video as of yet. You know, the idea that you go live and speak to folks on video, that was a fairly, is it nascent? Is that the word I'm looking for? Nascent technology? That was There was just wasn't a lot of that. I never envisioned Dog Nation Daily being more than a podcast. And that was kind of always the way that I hoped the podcast could be utilized, that it would be this thing that while you're moving, as Duke Duke says, or working out or whatever else, accompanying you while you do all of that. That's an incredible privilege for me. So 
Duke, Duke, thank you for saying that. He says, also, while I was unpacking boxes, I found an old box of old DVDs. We decided to watch the 2009 movie, The Blind Side, one evening after putting the kids to bed. Not sure you've seen it, but by the end of the movie, the main character is being recruited by all the major SEC schools. He says, Orgeron's at Ole Miss, Nick Saban's at LSU, Lou Holtz at South Carolina, Houston Nutt at Arkansas, and the big bad Philip Fulmer at Tennessee. This is a really interesting point from Duke Duke. For those of you that have seen the movie, you know this. He says, I laughed out loud at the idea of Tennessee being the bully recruiter of the bunch and UGA barely having an honorable mention in the movie. I think that's really funny, too. And, you know, I do enjoy that movie for the obvious reason, just because it's, it's a good movie. Uh, Sandra Bullock was nominated for an Academy Award for that movie. But it also is kind of an interesting snapshot of what college football looked like during that particular time. And as Duke Duke says, coaches famous for coaching in other places now, coaching at different places back then, but also the hierarchy, how different it was. Tennessee being ahead of that, ahead of Georgia on that list. That is pretty shocking to see that now, knowing how much the world has changed since then. Uh, Duke Duke says, that all made me think of what you've said many times, that recruits can barely even remember former powerhouse programs such as Tennessee because it's been so long since they've truly been at the top. And that is true. And, you know, listen, if you're a Clemson fan or an Alabama fan and you want to mock Georgia for having not won a national championship since 1980, that kind of stings. And, you know, someone like me, you know, you're sort of forced to live with that. But as Duke Duke kind of points out, if you're a Tennessee fan who hasn't won a national championship since 1998 or even a Florida fan who hasn't won a national championship since, what, 2000, 2008, uh, Auburn hasn't won a national championship since 2010, you know, all of those rivals to Georgia that would mock Georgia for having won a national championship, we all may be old enough to remember those seasons, but the recruits themselves, you know, an 18-year-old guy today or a 17-year-old guy who's going to turn 18, I mean, my gosh, you know, uh, what year was he born? 2004? Am I doing the math on that right? Yeah, 2000, 2003, 2004? I mean, they're barely even alive. You know, they weren't alive the last time Tennessee won a national championship. They were barely alive when Florida won a national championship. It was a kindergartner or something like that. They're not following college football necessarily all that closely. So, you know, the idea that it's been a long time since George won a national championship, in the eyes of the college football recruits world, the constituency that matters more than anything else, with the exception of like an Alabama or Clemson who kind of have hoarded titles in recent years, you know, LSU who snuck in and got one in 2019, for the most part, everybody's on the same footing of – you know, it might as I mean, think about like I was born in 1977. And, you know, I don't really remember anything that happened like prior to like 1986. Right. And that's, you know, like my memories of sports start about 1986, about nine years old. If something happened, you know, like 1979, 1980, that's essentially something I've only read about in books. I have no living memory of that. These recruits, you know, today are, are kind of the same way on that. So I think Duke, Duke brings up a pretty good point. He also says, do you believe that coaching hires alone what got the Vols to where they are now? Or do you think there are some ways to future-proof a program to an extent to where that level of irrelevancy doesn't occur in the next 12 years? I think that's a really interesting question. And here's like the one thing I think that – so when – if you go back and watch when Lane Kiffin was hired as Tennessee coach, was that 2009? Is that the year he, he was a uh, Vols coach? Uh, um, am I, maybe I'm misremembering that year, but around that year in which Kiffin was hired. So Tennessee fans have kind of gotten tired of Philip Fulmer, and so, uh, so Lane Kiffin gets hired. And the problem was that Lane Kiffin was very young. Like he'd been head coach the Oakland Raiders, but Al Davis was a weird guy, the you know now deceased owner of, of the Raiders. He was one of those guys that sort of behaved in an unorthodox way. So hiring Kiffin that had been at Oakland was not necessarily a you know a strong sign of of Kiffin's you know coaching ability. In fact, I think Kiffin was the losingest coach in NFL history when when he got fired by Oakland, eventually hired by Tennessee. So you had this very young guy who had briefly been head coach of the Raiders, had been an offensive coordinator with USC, but he was just very young. And furthermore, he looked young. In addition to being young, he just looked really young. And that was a very hard sell in the SEC. So what you had to do at the time was is you had to bring all these assistant coaches with him. And one of those was Ed Orgeron. Uh, you had to bring these assistant coaches with him. And um, they were all given multi-year deals. Remember, it was his dad, Monty Kiffin, who was defensive coordinator. And all these other you know coaches kind of came along there. They were all given these multi-year deals as a way of enticing them to Knoxville. And part of the sell job for Lane Kiffin was, 
Look at all this experience he's bringing with him with his staff, and Tennessee fans fell in love with that. The problem is, after one year, Kiffin decided to bolt from the program. He goes to to USC. And all of a sudden, Tennessee now can't afford to buy out all these assistant coaches, which is a very interesting scenario. So Tennessee can't afford to buy out all these assistant coaches, and so the next coach is going to be forced to inherit some assistants he didn't hire. And most head coaches worth their salt would just simply not want that. And so, with all due respect to Derek Dooley, he was a guy at Louisiana Tech that had a losing record. Getting a chance to exit that program to come to Tennessee was a dream come true. He was willing to tolerate um, a group of assistants he didn't choose in a way that some other coaches a little higher up the food chain might not have wanted to do. And so duly taking a job, working with assistants that weren't his guys, maybe not quite experienced enough and credentialed enough for that, I think sets off a chain reaction that leads to the issues of Butch Jones, which leads to the issues of of Jeremy Pruitt, which leads to the issues inherited by Josh Heupel. It is a fascinating study of if you're George fan, obviously, as Duke Duke kind of alludes to, you hope your program is never in that same situation. And sometimes it's little things, little things that can be celebrated as a good thing at the time that end up being an unintended consequence later on. And for me, that's kind of what happened with Tennessee there. All right, thank you for your great comments. Appreciate you being a part of our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. Please make sure you check out R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. Hope you all enjoy a terrific weekend. I'll see you back here on Monday for Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. I will look forward to talking to you then. Thank you.